This podcast is brought to you by Enrollment Resources, Innovations in Enrollment Management. Learn more at enrollmentresources.com. I'm going to uh, I'm going to do something really scary, Sterling. Um, I'm going to turn on my webcam so people can see me. There we go. And I don't mean to scare people, you know, by having you look at my webcam, but. I thought, what the heck, let's do this for fun. Welcome, everybody. Uh, my name is Greg Meeklejohn, and I'm the co-founder of Moment Resources, and we've been doing process improvement work in marketing and admissions for private schools for about uh, like 12 years. And uh, with me is my colleague, uh, Sterling Simpson, and Sterling is our Associate Vice President of Business Development, and he has a lot of experience in this whole area of lead generation and marketing. So I think we should just get right at it. Um, what I'm going to do is we're going to do a little bit of a presentation uh, using something called our marketing ROI, and uh, I'm going to take you through a whole bunch of items and show you which uh, how to better spend your your money on uh, terms of marketing to get more bang for your buck and this will hopefully give you some insights so without further ado we're just going to take you through this little sheet called a marketing ROI sheet and so this is what we do as part of what we call a scorecard and scorecard is a kind of a, a planning tool that will help a school gain a lot of clarity around how to uh, spend money and allocate human resources when they're implementing their marketing and their admissions. So really, you're kind of getting a look under the hood. And so uh, let's just jump right in. Now, when, what we do, I'm going to give you a little map, everybody. Um, we'll do a little check-in. Um, hopefully, everybody can see this OK. Yep, all good. OK. so. What we have here is we have um, in column C all the possible ways you can spend time and money um, in generating interest for your school. So here's some key stuff you need to do in terms of management. This is key work you need to do in terms of core communication. And then this is where we start to spend a little bit of money. This is uh, where we create uh, web traffic conversion on your existing website. Uh, these are tactics there. How to create organic traffic generation. Some people call this SEO. Uh, and then uh, we're going to talk about paid search marketing, such as Google AdWords or paid search via Facebook, what have you. And uh, then we're going to talk about traditional media in terms of direct response. And we're going to talk about some other miscellaneous items. And then we're going to uh, touch on nurture campaigns. We're going to touch on branding. And within that, that's where social media sits. So a lot of people have interest in social media. We're going to uh, quell some myths around social media and where social media should fit into your overall marketing. And then uh, we're going to touch on traditional media as well. Now. It's quite a lot, and um, we gave this talk at AppSkew a few years ago, and the school owners loved it, 
for some reason, the ad agencies not so much, but that's fine. Um, Sterling, do you, you care to add in your two bits on some of these these various items, or? Yeah, no, I I think this is a really a, a great um, process to go through because it's a great way for you to know the value of everything you're doing and what you're not doing, and really create an action plan for how to tackle the things that need to be tackled that you aren't doing. And it's a great way to prioritize them on the ROI that you could expect from them. And you also know the amount of effort that it takes to go into the ROI. So it's excellent for just building out your overall strategy. Guys, is as this moves along, you're going to have some questions. And after we do this presentation, uh, for those then that want to jump off, they can. And then for those that want to uh, ask any clarifying questions on this, Sterling and I will stay on for as long as you guys need to um, just clarify any questions that you might have. Or you might want to just put something into the question box and we'll attempt to address those at the end. But we prefer to have a kind of an interaction via the phone for entertainment purposes. So let's start to uh, continue on our process here. Now, Okay, here's something that's really important, you guys, and that is it, an idea is worth a, a dime a dozen. Like, an idea is worth absolutely nothing unless you can successfully implement that idea uh, and, and monetize it, turn it into a result. And here's what typically happens is things get in the way. Um, so, for instance, if there's a school and something requires expertise, but you don't have that expertise in how that good idea will just go sideways. Um, if there's something that requires a lot of time to actually manage it on an ongoing basis, then uh, if you don't have the time, if you have a time famine within your school and you're not willing to delegate, then, man, this... Uh, it's no use doing that marketing tactic because it'll just fail. If you have a, a safety net uh, not in place, then it's very, uh, you don't want to take on a, a, a something as an example. Let me use an example here. Go um, and look at um, the probability of outcome analysis. Okay. So let's look at, um, as an example, uh, radio, uh, radio advertising, okay? So say you want to, to do radio properly, you want to invest, you want to be doing about four to five radio spots a day to get critical mass to get people to pick up the phone. And it's, in broad terms, it's one to two dollars per second. So 60... 120, um, like 150 bucks a day, say you run a 10-day campaign. So it's like a $1,500 um, monthly investment, and the projected return on investment is you're going you're gonna to get about five leads off of that at a cost of uh, um, 300 bucks a lead ballpark. And... Um, but you could go as high as maybe seven leads for that $1,500 investment. 
Now, here's where it gets interesting. This is about safety nets. The probability of you nailing that seven leads in that first month of, of activity on the radio is about a 20% shot at getting it right. So what we want to do is we want to mitigate this by 20%, right? So we're at, at, I'm going to just ballpark this in my head. It's about 1.7 leads. That's your weighted return on investment. We take seven leads times 0.2. It's 1.4. And that's, so for every $1,500, we're generating 1.4 leads, and that gives us a, a, an adjusted cost of $1,000 per lead. Sterling, you want to comment on that? Sterling, are you there? Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, sorry, I just took off mute. Yeah, that's um, quite a lot more than other forms of media. So uh, another thing that I always say about radio advertising, even though it's a good way to, I guess, um, support a campaign you might be having, it's also difficult to completely measure in an absolute way, where the online channels definitely have a lot more, um, a lot easier for measure and also put a direct ROI on things. Yeah, so really, this, this is the key thing right here, is that, you know, you have a 20% chance of succeeding. Um, that means that really there's no safety net. So that is really just what I wanted to show you guys about what, what um, safety net means. Now, a biggie is patience. If there's a senior person that has a lack of patience uh, and they... Maybe they, they're, they're looking at a marketing tactic that is going to take, say, eight months to germinate, and there's uh, one to, uh, they have a patience factor of two months. It's kind of akin to, I don't know if you guys have ever had, like, carrots in a garden, and you pull a carrot out of the garden too early, and you get these, you know, these gross little stumpy carrots that are kind of useless. Well, that's what happens when, you have a, an owner or senior manager that has a one or two month expectation of ROI, but, and they're working with a tactic that's eight months ROI. Stumpy carrots, no good. And so we, we don't want to even do these kinds of things if you have an impatient boss or owner, and we can't do anything that requires patience. So what we've done here, you guys, is, um, and then we have type of expense, so if you're full of fixed expense in your budget, you don't want to take on more fixed expense. You want to have some variable expense and some free activities. And you ideally want to be able to measure how you spend your time and money so that you can fail fast, course correct, and get to best practice. So what we've done here, you guys, is we have taken each of these items here and we have correlated from our experience um, how these play out in terms of operation and turning something into reality. Um, and so this is really valuable because we're not only going to talk about uh, the return on investment on these items, but we're going to talk about the, the probability of you succeeding in turning this idea into reality. Now, the last thing we've done is with each of these marketing items, we have gone and um, triaged them from 
the $4 signs, what that means is that means it's low cost or no cost with a high return. And $3 signs means it's a high cost item, a budget item, but with a potentially high return. And then $2 signs, you can dig down here, um, that is a lower cost but a lower return item. And then $1 sign is a high cost, low return activity. So ideally, you guys, what we want to do is spend most of our time initially focusing on things that are high cost, high return, and that way you can start to create some result and also not bleed into your budget. Okay? And then at that point, then you go to high cost, high return, or low cost, low return. You start to work like a triage, just kind of down, and, uh, and try to mitigate doing things that are high cost, low return, because it's a waste of time and money for little, little uh, response. Okay, so we can talk about management and all the things that you need to do in your marketing management, such as positioning maps, um, working with employer groups, stress testing, uh, Gantt charts, um, documenting best practice, uh, using a Google Alerts as a feedback loop tool, uh, compliance management, all that stuff. But I don't think that's what we're here for. Um, we can also go and talk about core communication in terms of just really lead generation. 80% of lead gen is copywriting. And you find your pools of traffic, but if your, your um, copy is weak, then it's going to fail. Um, Sterling, you wanted to speak to copywriting for a moment? Yeah, um, copywriting is not only very important for you to get the correct message along to the um, potential uh, students, but it's also uh, a great way to put in like your benefit-driven copy. So what, it, what I always like to do is when you're building copy, either it's in a landing page or paid search ads or on your website, you want to have the copy be filled with benefits that you offer, and you want to highlight those benefits within the copy just so the prospective student, when they're coming and reading your copy, one of those benefits might speak directly to them, and when it does that is when you actually get the higher chance of that student converting. So it's very important that your copy not only conveys the overall message, but also has these benefits all sprinkled out through within it. Yeah, so within the uh, core communication, we've got, um, you know, how to, how to work uh, your objections and issues into your copywriting using um, finding copy points and hooks through focus groups, how to create long copy direct response, um, how to build benefit language into your copy, and, and whatnot. So, but we're not going to talk about this today. We're going to do a, a separate workshop in September to talk about copywriting and split testing on landing pages and collateral material. So I think what we're going to do now is we're going to we're going to talk about um, the actual ways when you start to buy buy media, and we're going to go through and um, we're going to start right here, which is website um, conversion. So what we have, you guys, is we have um, a website. You all have websites for your school, I'm assuming, and you have websites that convert really, really well. 
and then you have websites that convert poorly. And if you have a, a website that is uh, converting really, really well, and you have, let's say, 3,000 people a month coming to your website, it typically is about a 5% difference. So 5% of 3,000, that's like 150 extra leads a month if you're using some of these best practices to go and improve the, the quality of your um, website conversion. And I think, Sterling, what we'll do is let's bring up a website and we can show an example of one that converts really well. Um, but let's just go and give a little overview of some of these key tactics. So the most important thing is to have a, uh, a direct response pathway on your website. And we'll show you what that is, but basically it's an opportunity for people to fill out a form, to get a white paper, that kind of thing. Um, Google Analytics is uh, something that allows you, uh, Google gives it to you for free, allows you to analyze how many people are coming to your website, where they go, where they jump off, and then a process called A-B testing. So you can split test headlines and what have you um, to go and improve the conversion rate. Um, testimonials. Ideally, you want to have about 15 testimonials to create overwhelming street cred um, with people that are jumping onto your website. Because once they jump on, they usually don't come back. That is a misnomer. There are 50,000 or so new websites that come onto the Internet every day. And there's this massive competition for attention. And so if somebody is, you know, uh, surfing around and they come to your website, the odds of them coming back are pretty low. So what you want to do is, use the word hook, you want to hook them uh, and get them to fill out a form so that you can nurture market to those guys over time. Um, you want to have tracking numbers for media. So Sterling, explain what tracking numbers are. Yeah, tracking numbers are unique numbers that would go on specific areas of either landing pages or you could put them on different types of media, and they forward to your normal phone number, and so it's seamless to anyone calling in. And But for the benefit is that you're able to track the, the number that calls in, um, how many calls come in, and you also could record the calls most times. So you'd be able to listen to your calls later on to confirm that they are actual leads, so you could get a hard lead total of how well a campaign performs. Plus, you also could use those to audit internally on the admission side. So they uh, offer a lot of value, and they're usually fairly cost-effective for what you get for um, that the value get out of it. All right. Thank you pages. So once somebody fills out a form on your website, there's a thank you page. Um, and that thank you page is typically well underutilized. And so let's just, let's just jump in and look at some examples here, okay? Um, let's see, let's go to... It's, uh, this is a, a cosmetology school in, in Sacramento. And this is a, um, a, a website that we built for these guys. So the green thing's not going away, Sterling. Um, just 
we're just going to, you guys, we're just going to ignore this little green circle I made. I don't know how to get rid of that damn thing. So, so here is a, a website with the Cosmetology School in Sacramento. They're a really good school. Let's look at some of the things that we have in place that will help to promote people picking up the phone. All right? So we have phone numbers prominently displayed here. Right? We have... We have this form here, right? And the form is a, a form where people can control, hey, what are they interested in, uh, in in pursuing? And there's not a million, uh, not a million um, fields to fill out. It's a pretty small form, but it gives them a sense of control. Now, down here is the, the little um, TCPA uh, a privacy policy thing that needs to be completed. And our testing shows us that this is actually better to have it uh, explicit like this. And then down here, we have this thing called get info now, exclamation mark. Now, most people, let's just isolate on this for a sec, you guys. Most people will say um, submit. And it's typically black or blue or what have you. And what we've done is we've tested the colors and found that light blue, red, orange, uh, those colors seem to pull really well. So what we did is a few years ago is we tested submit and tried different things to see if more people would click. And then we got get info, and that seemed to work better. And then we added in get info now, and that worked even better yet again. And then get info now with an exclamation mark worked even better yet again. So you guys, if you want to go and use this as a little takeaway from this webinar, get info now with an exclamation mark. Why don't you test it out and see if it works? Sterling, uh, what do you think? Uh, well, no, that's great. It's something that we tested out through extensive A-B testing, and to this point we haven't been able to find anything that's perform better. And it's really interesting. We tried um, using the play button there with the get info with the, the, the play button you see on like uh, CD players and MP3 players. And we tried uh, just trying <coughs> so many different like little things. And we still, that was what came out winning. And to this day, it's still the best one we've ever had. Yeah, so here's what's cool is you see this form here. It sits in what's called the frame of the, of the uh, website. And no matter where you go on this website, there is always an opportunity to fill out this form. Now, the second thing we've done here is we have this thing called a, a virtual advisor, which we developed, which helps to not only generate leads, but it also helps you to convert leads. So this is the thank you page of uh, after someone fills out a form. And uh, in this case, it's a, this is a thing called a virtual advisor. And so I'm just going to go and uh, show you just very briefly how it works. So people will, they want to learn and they take the, the beauty school readiness quiz. So this is where we take a thank you page and make it into something useful. So now 
they start to do this self-assessment. And this could be done at uh, just like at 11 at night while someone's having a glass of wine or on a Sunday morning, um, and they're just starting to self-assess. Answering this little survey to themselves, ah, here's something about their goals and hopes and dreams. And, uh, and then they continue on. And then they do this thing called a social style. And they can self-assess on the type of person, which is really instructive, both for the potential admissions rep and for this prospective student. And then here are some, some qualifying questions. That, and what happens is the admissions rep will say, yes, sir, I care about this, or I don't care about that, which gives some clarity and focus to the process. And then this is a lifestyle check, so otherwise known as an education plan. So this is a preliminary education plan. Very interesting. And then you get to put down your supporters, right? Every good marketing or admissions process should do, but it rarely gets done. So then what happens is you get a little report on whether you're ready to become a Cosmos student or not. And it can go, if they say no to all the questions, it ends up down here. But the little report summarizes everything, get a little feedback on your social style. And then you hit the button and you get to create, custom build your own campus tour. The reason I bring this up is this is an example of um, how to properly use um, a, uh, a lead conversion tool on a website, okay? And to take in thank you page op optimization, all tracking numbers and all that. So that's a little primer, you guys, on how to take your website and improve it just with a few little ideas. Now, organic traffic generation is really interesting because you get people to come to your website and you have, um, uh, I'm going to just tell you how to do it, okay? This is the bit, here's SEO 101. You don't have to have an SEO company. So take some notes here. This is what you do. Okay, you want to make sure that you have a blog page um, on your website, okay? That's the first thing. Second thing is, if you're doing a little paid search campaign, it will give you some really um, valuable information on what are the best keywords in terms of conversion. Sterling, you're an expert in this area. Um, I can just quickly speak to that. Sorry, uh, you, you cut out there for a second right before you said that? Um, well, when we do paid search, we get all these uh, this great uh, intel on the top performing keywords and phrases and sentences in terms of um, what words and phrases that turn into actual leads. And that, um, so, <laughs> words can be um, used uh, to... Um, for, for SEO purposes. Okay, excellent, yeah. 
So within uh, Google and Bing, it tracks everything you do within their paid search platforms. So you not only do you know um, how many people click on something, you know how many times it was an impression happened where it showed up um, in front of them in a search result, and you also know how many conversions you have. So when you're building out your organic traffic keywords, what you want to do is look into how things perform in paid search. You want to look at your top converting keywords so you could spend time... Um, so you could spend time focusing on keywords you know convert, but on top of that, you also would look into the top keywords that have impressions because that's how you know the gross search traffic for the keyword. And then the top click keywords is also a good thing to look at. It's sort of a self-fulfilled prophecy based off of your ads, how many people click them, but still another great thing to look at because you could actually look into what ads are producing the most clicks and use that same ad copy within your actual organic website to try to have um, in the uh, display uh, metadata. So that's what shows up in the search results and the organic search results. So you can leverage everything from paid search into your organic search and help improve the overall organic. So we, we use these uh, keywords uh, on to populate make sure they're populated in the appropriate spots um, in the website. That's called in-page indexing. And then, folks, the key thing that you can do, write this down, is uh, the key thing you can do is you take one keyword or phrase, okay, and you write a 300 to 400 word article and around that phrase as a theme, okay? And, and you make sure that keyword or phrase is used three or four times maximum and try to make sure the phrase is in the headline or the subhead of the article. And then you post that on your blog page. Okay, you got that? So then what happens is when somebody types in that keyword uh, uh, phrase, then Google will go, oh, there's an article that seems really uh, relevant to what this person's keyword or phrase is. And then they will reward you by putting that article up near the top, and then people will click on that article to learn more. And that is that is your core tactic in terms of SEO. You do that and nothing else, uh, you will have tremendous success in getting more eyeballs to come to your website. Okay? Let's move on there, Sterling. Um, we just basically cut through a whole mass of Yes, the SEO industry goes and lays on people. We've just given people a primer on how to do it themselves to, to do it easily. The other thing you can do, it's a guerrilla marketing tactic, is you can uh, post the openings for your school, um, the start dates for your intakes on Kijiji, Craigslist, and um, it's free. And it's essentially the classified section of the newspaper. It's free. And you could put these ads in all over the place. That's good guerrilla marketing. You can pick up a handful of students each month just by putting in the, uh, the deadline dates for your various intakes on your programs. And you can have somebody in-house doing that, like a receptionist, um, just basically posting these ads a couple times a week. That would be good enough. Okay, now paid search is really changing. Um, paid search prices have gone up, and uh, 
paid search uh, volume is going down. Google have changed the rules. Um, half of the, the traffic that comes through paid search comes mobile devices. And it's becoming uh, uh, fairly expensive now to, to go and, and use paid search marketing as an advertising tool. And so before, this used to be a low-cost, high-return activity, um, but now it's a high-cost, high-return activity where lead costs can get as high as $100 a lead. So, Sterling, do you want to just speak to what's going on with uh, marketing trends? Yeah, so a big thing that's happened recently is Google is actually trying to um, get people to use their internal um, bid management stuff that they provide for free. So they have so, a way to so set it up. Bid management stuff, you mean there's uh, basically a system that schools can sign up for where they can do their own paid search? To a degree, yes. Um, what Google is doing is they're making the paid search part of it where you actually manage the bids and up sp spend more, spend less based off results, completely automated within Google. And they, and but the problem is what Google does is they always are doing um, everything they can to push up spending because the more you spend on Google, the more they make. So they're uh, trying to sort of get in under the agencies and get people using all their internal tools, which a lot of people are using, and all these tools do is push up the beds. So they'll have people who are inexperienced in Google create a campaign, and then they would set it uh, towards trying to get a certain rank. So you'd be like, I want to be ranked number two or one or three, whatever the rank is. And search so is basically a Dutch auction where people exactly. will go and um, bid to put their little ads, um, and the higher you bid, the higher you go. And I think the mistake is, is that everybody wants to be number one. It's a natural inclination. So, for instance, if you want to be number one uh, with paid search with Google for, say, a massage school, um, you can conceivably be paying, I don't know, $15, $20 a click just to get people to come to your landing page. And that's insane because that turns out to be like $150 a lead. And then depending on how well you convert those leads, it could be anywhere, if, if it's perfect, it's $1,500 a sale. But if it's typical, it's like $3,000 a sale, <coughs> which really messes up your margins. Mm -hmm. It's a bad deal. So what we always try to do is with our clients, and here's another tip that you can write down if you're doing paid search. You want to be in the, somewhere in between the third spot and the fifth spot because this allows you to have a combination of getting volume from your paid search plus it allows you to keep your costs down. Right, Sterling? Exactly. And there, there are certain situations where you might want to, like you'll see a keyword performing extremely well in a, like say, a third spot. So you, 
ROI based, you might be able to bid it up to the second spot, but we don't want to do that until we have the data to support it first. So you always start targeting between three and five, and then if you have the performance to justify it, you may want to target second or first rank. And if your performance doesn't justify it, you might even want to target a lower rank. Um, another situation that I guess would be outside of that is branded terms. With branded terms, you will be wanting to rank number one, but that's a completely different um, that's completely different altogether because due to how quality score works is you actually rank better for your brands than anyone else would. So it's easy to be number one. But with so core a branded keyword, term is where you include the name of the school in the keyword or phrase. Exactly, yes. Okay. So that's interesting. So what really what we're getting at here is that, you know, you can go and throw a bucket of money at paid search, whether it's Google, it's Bing, Facebook. You can spend a bucket of money, but if you don't do it intelligently, you can absolutely destroy your budget and lose a ton of money doing it. You have to be conservative in how you do these campaigns. Paid search campaigns, there's a natural finite amount of interest. So, for instance, we may have generate 50 leads in a paid search campaign at $50 a lead, and then you hit the wall and then the prices go up $150, $200 a lead, like a hockey stick. And uh, uh, it's, you just have to be really careful is really all we're saying. Now, the way you mitigate that is going back to um, this area, which is using A-B testing um, to go and improve the, uh, the conversion rates of the website. So once people come to the landing page on page search, they arrive there, you can mess around with headlines and offers to get people to fill out a form or phone you. And the higher the conversion rate, of course, it lowers your cost per, per, per lead, right? You guys get that? So that is probably the most important thing you really want to focus on. How can we get 10% uh, of the people that come to that paid search landing page to either phone you or to uh, fill out a form. Okay? So how are we doing, Sterling? Um, oh, one other thing. You talk about all social media, Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, Instagram. Let's be clear. It's not free. Um, when you put a Facebook post on for your corporate website, approximately 3% of the people that um, are on your big list will see that to be done properly is what's called boosting. And um, boosting is, is a paid search activity. So all these guys that are doing this free social media stuff, it's all BS. It's a, it's a free social media package wrapped around a paid search business model. Let's just be aware of that. Okay, traditional media in terms of direct response, right? So these are typically um, uh, any kind of direct response advertising is, is um, expensive. Um, but it, it can really bear fruit. Far and away the best item, if you're going to do traditional media for direct response, put a small classified 
uh, at side of a uh, um, the training section of the education section of the classified section of your daily paper. They still get read, and whoever does come to the classified section has an interest. Um, and I'm going to write you down the ad that you guys can use. Yeah, I'm going to give you the ad to use that will give you the best ROI uh, for right ad campaign. Now, this can also be used. The same ad can be used with Craigslist and whatnot. So, um, Sterling, should I write down the ad? Yeah. You think people would appreciate if I wrote down the ad? I, I think they would. It's uh, especially right. after they. Uh, go ahead and use it, and then they realize the value of it, then they might want some more ads from you, too. Okay. Um, so that's the headline. to be this, want to be that, call now and we'll send you your free career starter kit on how to become a blah. And then the name of the school and the phone number and nothing else. That's the ad that you use in your classified section. Okay. And you'll see there that that ad you was um, taking advantage of what we were talking before about the benefit-driven copy too. It, not only had that in there, but also had um, urgency in there with the now. And what I like about it is the first line poses a question, which is always um, a great way to grab people's attention. You pose a question right off the bat, and the person, if they answer yes to that question, in their mind, it's something subconscious, they will they'll continue to read. If they aren't interested, then it doesn't matter because it's not the right person. And so you jump right in, you get a free career starter kit, and then again at the end it also mentions the specific uh, program there too. So it's and like, you can generate, conceivably generate a phone lead for uh, like $150, and phone leads can typically will convert around 15%, so it's like $750 per student per start. That's pretty good. All right, so uh, that's that's when we pick out in terms of direct response. Now, um, then you take the, the same tested approach. You take that seven-line ad, and you can use it on the radio. You can use it as a TV ad. You can use that on, on the, the backdrop of your, um, you're at a trade show, trade fair. 
and it's basically, want to be a cosmetologist? Call now or say, me about your free career starter kit. And, or, hey, you want, hey, would you like to be a cosmetologist? Would you love to be in the beauty industry? Call Cambridge College now and receive your free career starter kit. And then it explains the benefits of the career starter kit and how you can gain more information and clarity about this career. And so what you're doing is you're not selling going to school. You're selling the baby step, baby step of that. Let me just sterling check in and just see how we're doing. Uh, we've got uh, 14 minutes. Okay, hold on here. There are a couple people who are on here uh, that did not read the instructions for the call uh, and to come in on the conference call. However, you know, that's too bad. So they're, they're looking and watching, but they can't hear. Um, but that's fine. Uh, okay, now let's go and talk about um, nurture campaigning. If you guys uh, use nurture campaigning, um, you can increase your overall conversion rate by up to 10%. So stated another way, if your uh, blended conversion rate for your school is 10%, you go up to 13%. That's a 30% lift in overall revenue. So this is worth looking at. That's why everything here is a low-cost, high-return activity in terms of nurture campaigning. Now, the best way to explain nurture campaigning is as such. Um, the prospective students are like uh, the cherries on a cherry tree. And the school goes, the admissions department, they go out looking for cherries um, and to harvest. And they come across a tree and the typical low-grade admissions department will go and raise the fruit off that tree. They will take the cherry buds, the green cherries, the red cherries. They'll take all the red cherries, put them in their baskets, and they leave the green cherries and the cherry buds to rot on the ground. And they move on and try to find another cherry tree. So I would just say, using that analogy, how stupid is that? It makes much more sense to find a cherry tree, build a little fence around it, put a sentry around the fence, and then water and fertilize and nurture that cherry tree so that it constantly produces red cherries perpetually over time. So people, they because they don't properly follow up, um, they... Uh, they, they screw up, man, and uh, they just leave all these prospective students uh, just twisting in the wind. So an admissions rep, they see an internet lead as a, a lead, but consumer, if they fill out a forum, they're not saying, I'm going to buy. What they're saying is, I want more information. They are researching. They're in the research mode. Their buying cycle is not fully developed like the green cherry on the cherry tree, and you can't exhort a green cherry to become a red cherry by yelling at it or manipulating it or selling it. You have to let that 
green cherry do its thing and get the sunlight and the, the water and grow at its own pace. Same as the, as the buying path for students. If they're in the early days and they're researching, and you're one of the people that they're researching on, you need to work with them at their own pace. And so that's why nurture campaigning, where you work with somebody up to, say, a year and a half, and you do it in a gentle, supportive, loving way, the ethical way to take somebody who's confused about their life, that doesn't quite understand what to do, and you methodically help them create some clarity around their life path. Now, they may go in another direction, but as admissions people, you've done a good service for them. And nurture campaigning is the key. Now, the problem with nurture campaigning and most uh, senior managers have their, their head down, their, their chin on their chest, and they're just focused on the next intake. If a school has the uh, guts to be strategic in nature and look at all these leads that are coming in uh, in a one-and-a-half-year horizon instead of a three- to four-week horizon, there's tremendous opportunity to build revenue uh, and also to do some good work in the community. So the key here is patience. You need to have patience to do a proper nurture campaign. Okay? And one thing I really like about nurture campaigns, it is very cost effective. As you can see there, all those um, tactics have four uh, dollar signs. It's it's always great because you're not spending a lot of extra money out there on advertising. You're, you're using what you already have and just cultivating it. And it takes a little bit of time, and sometimes it can take patience. Uh, but it's definitely something that, like the ROI-wise, it's always worth doing. And it's just, um, if someone's not taking advantage of it, it's just resources right there that are available to you that you're not utilizing. Yeah. Um, I noticed that Janine Hansen has raised her hand. Uh, Janine, just hang tight for just a couple more minutes, and we'll, we're happy to take your question. Um, now, in terms of branding, branding is like an insurance policy for a consumer, okay? And so what happens is it, it makes it uh, easy for them to make a decision to see you. So it's like uh, branding is what dislodges um, demand. Um, the best... You don't want to use advertising to do this function because it's tremendously expensive. And, um, and so if you are going to spend money, uh, use public relations as a way to put stories in, the, in newspapers and on radio and in, in traditional media. Social media is, believe it or not, also very expensive. Um, but if you can have a professional social, social media person planting stories and content online, uh, again, you create a nice buzz about your school. But let's be clear, it's expensive, and it's very hard to track, um, and it requires patience. If you don't have patience, any kind of brand building effort is going to be very uh, frustrating. You do need to have some branding as it relates to your direct response. The branding makes the direct response work better. Okay? Um, I think that's all we really have to say at the moment. Um, 
anybody wants to um, uh, wants to come um, and if you want this done for your school in some real detail, you guys, uh, Sterling and I are happy to go and do a few of these. We have a little bit of time. We can get on and go to meeting and take you through this specifically for your school. But we have um, maybe three or four spots where we can do this. Like we have a limited amount of time. Uh, if you are interested in uh, having this done for free, uh, just text uh, this following number. Um, bear with me here. So just text our office. And the text would be 250, or you could phone 391-9494, text uh, or phone, and we'll arrange to um, set you up to have a complimentary hour to go and re review all this stuff in some detail specific to your school. Now, Sterling, before we take uh, questions, do you have any um, any final comments about how to create clarity in marketing? Yeah, one thing that I always preach is consistency. So when you are creating a campaign, if as long as you keep the message consistent through all your channels and even within the same channel. So one thing I r really like is in something like paid search. If someone is searching for a specific uh, program, let's say, and you have your ad cop, the ad that shows up on the right-hand side of Google says something that is mentions the program but also says like uh, get the skills to become a XYZ whatever your program is and then you want to make sure the landing page itself is very consistent to that ad use that same terminology if possible even the same title and that way the user gets a very consistent user experience if you were to use that same terminology in other advertising so in your print advertising on your radio ads you want to just make sure that everything is consistent and you have the same message so when someone hears it somewhere else it clicks because they've heard that before they've seen it before on text. So it's one thing I could all never stress enough is having consistency from different channels but also within the same channel. You want to have a very um, balanced message that they will see and uh, register with because if someone clicks an ad, that ad copy is what convince them to click. It's strong enough that they want to click so you got to maintain that same copy on the landing page and other media too. Okay. Uh, and here's another tip around um what Sterling had just said, and you guys might want to write this down. This is a, a split test that we've recently done, and um, Sterling used uh, the word get. And uh, so let's tell a little story about split testing. So we've been testing headlines on landing, both in terms of print, collateral material, and online. And what we found was, um, surprisingly to us, if you use the word get in your headlines, you can have a conversion increase of up to, it's 52%. So uh, that's crazy. So basically it would be uh, get trained to be a cosmetologist would be an example of using the word get. Sterling, you want to uh, expand on that little split test? Yeah, it's really interesting because get is a very actionable word, 
and that is what uh, well, why we believe it was so successful. People, when they see the word Git, they automatically just, it's just uh, something registers in your head, like you're receiving something, get this. And uh, it just seemed to perform way better than all the other words that we were using. And what was what I felt was really excellent about that is we said, like, get, and we also use terms like get the skills or get career ready, and then you mentioned the program at the end always. But it just was, uh, the way it's laid out is you are telling them, like you use an actionable word at the start, and then you bring up what they're getting in the middle. So you're getting career ready, you're getting the skills to be a, um, and then you mentioned that the three of them together are what made the perfect headline. Okay, yeah. So um, now, folks, what we're going to do here is... Um, we're going to take, uh, we've gone over over budget here in terms of our time uh, by a few minutes, but we will make ourselves available to, you know, if you have any questions or comments or challenges, you can just pipe up. Now, Janine has been very polite, and she's put up her hand. Um, so, uh, Janine, are you still there by chance? Just, uh, Janine, if you're there, you just press star six, and you can join the conversation. No? Okay, she must have jumped out. Um, okay, now, does anybody else have any questions or any comments uh, about what we're up to here? No? Um, I have a question about some of the macro-level changes uh, in the industry. Sure. Uh, including uh, Who are we basic... Speaking? Excuse me? Who, am, who are we speaking to? Oh, uh, this is John Pennington, uh, Zenith Education Group. Uh, the there's shrinking demand. There's an unfavorable regulatory climate, at least in the United States, and uh, the uh, regulations on heightened cash monitoring uh, lead to the possibility that um, a great deal of competitors might uh, do. Uh, unpredictable things uh, due to the possibility of, you know, financial desperation because of these uh, heightened cash monitoring rules. And I was wondering uh, if you could talk about how this has, uh, this climate has changed the return on investment and uh, advisability of different tactics that you've outlined here. Yeah, great question. So, um what has happened is over the years, the internet marketing uh, world has kind of ruled the education world. It's like the internet marketing lead portal tail is wagging the education industry dog, and schools have completely reworked their um, activity to what can be a kind of a nefarious uh, undertaking by these internet marketing guys. So the government's come in and said, no, this is wrong. You guys are misbehaving. And, um, and so what's happened is they've basically said, you Internet marketing guys, you have to start behaving or we're going to investigate you. In fact, four senators have sent a group letter to the um, uh, Federal Trade Commission in the U.S. asking them to investigate the behavior of Internet marketing companies. Where this is heading is that it's, it's a flight to quality. 
And that is, what we mean by that is the copywriting needs to be really um, transparent and uh, it needs to be very rich and full and thorough. And that's going to adversely affect the number of leads you get, but the quality of the leads will be much higher. The second thing is how you connect with and uh, engage with prospective students once you have them on the phone or even engaging by email is really uh, crucial. Um, and it must be done in a very mature, sober, objective manner. Uh, some of the top commercial like counselor selling schools will say you have to qualify really, really hard to make sure there's an excellent fit before you start, you put your promoter hat on to talk about your, your business. And so this is something that has escaped private education to a large degree where they just start getting in there, whipping up happy um, sort of promotory language without even properly qualifying or connecting with the prospective student to make sure that this is a, a proper fit. And so tools like, for instance, our virtual advisor tool are like a forced discipline to ensure that an admissions rep will, in fact, behave and, pr and properly take a prospective student through a qualification process. Because you have to remember that we're not just selling, like, tickets to a concert or something. We are helping to change somebody's life for the better. And it's typically, in many cases, a terrifying um, process for people to put their world on their ear for a year to four years or whatever it is and live really poor and without any guarantees that they're going to succeed. <coughs> people need to be honored for the even the desire to have that initiative in their life. And so the least that we can do is properly qualify people make sure that indeed this is the right path for them and the gift that we can give them as an industry is to say based on what I'm talking with you about in our qualification process it appears that you might be better more, more suited in a career that is is maybe wage oriented versus commission oriented or whatever right whatever it may be so John that would be my answer to that question okay um, any other uh, questions or comments? Hey, hey Greg, this is uh, Jim Paris. How are you? Jim, I'm doing well. Folks, uh, for those of you that don't, uh, do not know Jim Paris, he's, uh, he's an uh, admissions uh, management veteran of 30 years. Uh, and if you ever are looking for outstanding advice on admissions uh, process and communication, Jim's a fantastic guy to look up. Go ahead. What's your wow. question? Yeah, well, that was pretty good. I appreciate that, Greg. Now, first was a comment, and then I, I do have a question. But, you know, th this scorecard that you, you guys have gone through, I've, I've played with it many times. And, and certainly and those of, of you on the phone who have either multiple campuses or satellite campuses, you can certainly combine um, and take a look at uh, whether it's urban, your urban groups or suburban and get some commonalities that way. The other thing, it's, it's pretty nice. It does it does show, I mean, you, you only went through one or two of the tabs. There's there's many more on this, but um, it certainly takes a lot of the, uh, 
the subjectivity out of your, your next steps. Uh, you back it up with a lot of facts. I think, Sterling, you talked about data integrity and making sure that you have the accurate information and, and you know what you're looking at and use the same definitions for things. But um, this map that you have, it just it points out um, where you got to go and where your attention is and what's working and what's not. But So that's my comment. The question is, you know, how often do you think this should be, you know, this exercise, should you, should you go through? I mean, every quarter at the, at the end of each start? Um, uh, no, I don't think you need to, uh, to go through it on the quarterly side. Um, I think on the marketing side, if you just went through it twice a year, uh, and then uh, we have an admissions one as well. This is like uh, how to go and uh, uh, so this is the admissions return on investment tool. This is how uh, it's a whole ton of ways to convert uh, uh, leads into, into into students. So this is the admissions side, of course. And um, that I would, the admissions side, I would do that one quarterly, and the marketing maybe twice a year. Yeah. Okay. Uh, just stand by, stand by, Jim. Uh, Sharon Jan, are you on? You, you have your hand up. Do you have a question? Are you there? No? Okay, uh, Brian, Brian Brumner, uh, you have a question? No? And star six, just to, so everyone knows, to jump in. Yeah, that's right. Just press star six, and then you, you can unmute yourself and jump into this the conversation. Is, this is Janine. Hello, Janine. Hi. I just didn't get it unmuted, but um, what I wanted to ask you is there's a lot of competition in our area. Yes. How do I overcome that? There, there's also a great population. How do I um, overcome the competition? Okay, I'm going to do some advanced uh, work here. Um, okay, so this is called a positioning map, okay? Okay. Uh, so what you want to do is take some key attributes um, okay. and that you are up against in terms of competition. So okay. there's like these are whatever the variables might be, right? And then yes. you and then so you want to say, okay, uh, are expensive competitors? So you just want to map it. It's called okay. a positioning map. And okay. the rule and the rule of thumb is um, uh, first in owns fifty percent of a niche, right? Uh, yes. That's like Coca-Cola. Uh, yes. Second in owns 25%, right? Okay. Um, uh, third in okay. owns 12%. And then, uh, and then what we say is the rest are fighting for scraps, okay? Okay, yeah. And so... If you're in, you could have the best school in the world, but if you're right. like the fourth into a market, doesn't matter mm -hmm. because you've got okay. to you've got to actually climb over right. top of these guys. In addition right. to communicating with your market and can compete with all this this uh, uh, chatter that they're generating. Okay. So here's how you do it. Okay. One of the guys that was uh, uh, in there fighting for scraps was Seven Up. Okay, hmm. and so okay. Seven Up created a new ladder. They created a ladder called the Uncola. So what they did is they oh. created a new subset of soft drinks that were 
um, just basically stripped the whole cola market, and that was Coke, Pepsi, and RC Cola out of the mix. And we said, we're going to have an an cola. Uh, And so they were the first in, and they got 50% of the Uncola market. And they basically, I don't know if you guys, the... Um, the young young folk here, if you want to go on YouTube, type in Uncola commercials and you'll see these old uh, ads of um, this big Jamaican dude in a white suit going, the Uncola. <laughs> <laughs> and that ad campaign increased the market share for 7-Up by 4%, fighting for scraps, to 16% in mm. one year. Now, what they did there was they essentially, through their ad campaign, they created a whole new category, right? So the category was Uncola. And Uncola, as it turns out, had a 32% uh, of overall share, of which uh, 7-Up got half. Another example would be uh, University of Phoenix. So those guys were just a small school, and then they um, they landed on this uh, a differentiation point of earn while you learn. So they were they focused on people who were, had a job that still wanted to finish their degree, and they organized their whole product like um, just their their entire product was built around people who could study at night and on the weekends, who could go to work in the daytime, and so they became they. And so the question is, when you fracture the market like that, the curiosity is how big is it when you fracture it? So with the University of Phoenix, as it turns out, the market was pretty big. And, you know, they they were signing up for years and years, two, 300,000 students a year, generating billions of revenue. So they had 50% of that earn-while-you-learn subset. What they did was they articulated the subset and then walked into it and owned it. That's what you do. You identify the subset, articulate it, walk in and own it. And um, and then, of course, now there's guys like Western Governors, and there's all kinds of players in there fighting for scraps in that earn-while-you-learn market. So what you need to do, Janine, is find out where your point, where the subset is in the market. Um, is it a, a French immersion market or a Spanish immersion market? Can you mm-hmm. do a Spanish immersion preschool? I don't know. Um, just you got to hunt for that subset. You communicate it out to the world, and you own it. Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you. I will do that. <laughs> now. Uh, Brian, are you still around? Did you want to ask a question? or? Yes. I actually, just a quick one. Um, when you were talking about the, um, the ad, like the, the classified ad and the copy, um, I noticed you had um, you know, something about sending out a career starter kit. Um, for our schools, we typically don't send out things. We, we uh, much rather you know, let the energy of the, of the actual location and, and the you know, the, the uh, facilities kind of speak for themselves and, and meet with our reps and stuff like that. So we generally do not send things out. Do you find that that uh, you have better conversion when you offer to send, thing, send paperwork out? Or do you have any suggestions for alternate language for schools who, who um, don't typically send uh, information out via mail? 
You know, that's a fantastic question. Um, so the, um, there's something called cognitive recoil, and and so here's how it works. Um, you, you're on a, the edge of a bluff, and uh, 10 feet away is the other side of the bluff. Uh, it's like a gorge, right? And down that gorge is, um, it goes down 100 feet, and at the bottom are all these skeletons of dead people who tried to jump over that 10-foot space and failed. On the other side of that gorge is, uh, is a Porsche Targa, Porsche Carrera. And if you can jump over that 10 feet, uh, you can have that car for free. Now, what happens is there's a push-pull going on, and you want to jump over that thing to get that free car. But then you look down below, and you see all these dead people at the bottom of this gorge. And inevitably, what will happen is consumers will put a, a four-to-one rating on the risk against the reward. Now, hear me out here, Brian. Because at the beginning of your buying experience, your buying uh, thought, the it's very easy to bail, and the benefits have not been clearly defined. The benefits have not been clearly built out in the mind of the consumer. That's the job of the admissions rep, is to help them clarify the, the value of retraining. And so because they have a weak concept, typically, of what they want to do and where they want to go, and there's a fear, also, of failure, they typically will bail back. So what you need to do in your marketing, however you want to do it, is you want to use a series of a half a dozen little lock steps, tiny little baby steps. So it, what you're doing is if you can somehow magically put little uh, jumping stones across the gorge, three or four jumping stones, then it's like, okay, I can see that car, and there's jumping stones that I can jump on, and you hop on the, and then it makes it safe, you see. So this is an example of when you phone in to get your free career starter kit. Um, then, you know, when somebody is on the phone, you can say, you know, by the way, um, Sally, our admissions rep, happens to be free. Would you like to have a quick word with her? Uh, she's really nice, and she can maybe answer some of your quick questions. Or, or it could be, hey, um, you, you also might want to consider popping by for a visit. We've got good coffee, and it would be fun for you to check it out. So it becomes, once you have them on the phone, you keep your promise to send the information out, but you also you can build a premise to invite them in. So now, it doesn't necessarily have to be this. You can use a different different way to create the baby step. But I think it's important to have baby steps with such a huge life-changing thing. You need to give people a little something to have them digest and then to get comfortable and then you take them. It's like um, uh, I do outrigger uh, canoe racing and we I'm in this program and the coaches, they use this um, boil the frog, kind of cook the frog kind of approach. And, you know, I, they laugh at me because I use that with an analogy of how they get us to do things we don't want to do. And that is, you know, you guys know about boiling the frog, eh? Like you you get to cook a frog, you, you put them in a pot with cold water, then you gently turn up the heat to make it tepid, and then warm. they get drowsy and then warm, and then the frog passes out, 
and then you go a little warmer yet again, and then they asphyxiate, and then they pass away, but they don't know it. They've already passed out, right? And then, anyway, that's the ethical way to cook a frog. Anyway, that's my point. I've gotten way off track. That's a super weird <laughs> analogy, Brian, but <laughs> you see. Frank, it was good. <laughs> okay. Thank you. I, I definitely understood what you were saying. Though. Thank you, though. I appreciate that. All right, but You know, Brian, this is uh, Jim. Again, if I can comment, too. You know, it, it, I think the word never is kind of is, is kind of going away with, with the response type um, process for admissions. I mean, not sending anything or holding everything back for the for the visit is, you know, that, that the group of millennials, that, that younger group, they, they have information. They got a lot of it already. And if you're holding them blackmail to, you know, those are all great questions. I'll... I'll talk to you about it when you come down. I mean, they, um, that's, a, that's a tough position to take right now. I know they, that years ago that was that was the stance, but um, I think it's a, there's a balancing act, and to Greg's point, I mean, it depends. You know, you got to be able to play with the throttle depending on who you're dealing with, but um, I don't think it's all one way or the other. You know, there's, there's ones I found that, you know, you're actually doing some phone interviews. I mean, you, they're missing appointments, three, four, or five. You know, you, you can't lose something you don't have, I and mean, you might as well try to warm them up as best you can and, and build a rapport and relationship and if you got to do a, an abbreviated phone interview, I mean, it's, it's, it's the last resort, but again, you don't have them now, right? And you've been playing tag and they've been missing, um, you know, so yeah. I guess there's a lot of options you can go through, but... Uh, yeah, exactly. Uh, we've got another question from Randy uh, Blankenship. Uh, um, Randy Blankenship is very active out in the education space, and he's asking the question, what, virtual admissions advisor, how does that compare to Velocify? So Velocify, for those that, that you don't know, are, is an excellent... Um, what's called a lead management system. And so they have the ability to create, um, um, to take all the information that comes in from these leads, organize it up for admissions reps, and then basically manage these leads for these reps. And uh, it helps to the reps to, in turn, uh, create... Um, uh, it's more efficient. And so it's, think of it like salesforce.com but it's customized for higher education. And so that's what um, Philosophy does in the marketplace. And there's uh, some other companies like Talisma, I believe, is a company that does that and others, but Philosophy is really a nice uh, service. And then Virtual Advisor what is an engagement tool. So, you know, garbage in, garbage out is the rule of thumb for CRMs or lead management systems. If you have crap that goes in, the, it doesn't help the reps at all. What Virtual Advisor does uh, is it draws up people's hopes, their dreams, their goals. It talks about who their supporters are, um, all sorts of juicy, good information, and then it actually imports into these CRM systems, and then the admissions rep has this cornucopia of valuable information which allows them to better craft communication and exchange with a prospective student, which in turn leads to a much higher quality engagement. The prospective student gets what, the, gets what they need. They, um, it, it's a much healthier way to create a life path. So 
Virtual Admissions Advisor is is an engagement tool to get high quality information out to the admissions rep. It also gives the prospective student an, a, a tool to create clarity and insight around life path. I don't know if that makes sense, but that's the difference between the two. And we will never do a CRM. Um, we'll always just use uh, partner up with Velocify or Salesforce.com or what have you or whatever people are using. It's kind of our line in the sand. It's, uh, it's just not an area that we do. But it's a great question. Thank you. Um, there's also a, uh, a question. Um, uh, let's see. It says here, does um, virtual admissions advisor work in tandem with uh, campus login? And uh, the answer is yes. Uh, we can work with campus login. So we can, uh, this fits in with anybody. So that's what we do uh, in that regard. Uh, now, any other questions uh, from anybody else before we pack it in? Going, going, gone. Okay, I think that's it. Sterling, uh, thanks so much for jumping on. And Jim, thanks for jumping on as well. If um, Justin Hinchcliffe asked uh, if there was a way to get some deeper access to the uh, ROI sheet, and the way to do that, again, is to just uh, text us at 250-391-9494, uh, uh, right here, right here, and we will set up a time and we'll walk you through it and do it for you as a, a freebie. Okay, I think that's it, everybody, and um, I hope we've taught you some stuff. And take those tips and go use them and try them out. Thank have you. Good, all right. Have a nice day, you guys. Bye.